Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Welcome to another very special episode of Sales Ops Demystified. We are joined by Mark Runyon, who currently is directing uh, revenue operations and enablement at Nitro Inc. Uh, Mark has over 10 years experience uh, in roles related to sales ops at a variety of different businesses. So we are going to jump into that now. Mark, welcome to the show. Hello, this is Mark. Okay, cool. But first question, how did you originally get into sales operations? Sure. So I uh, formally have a degree in uh, learning and enablement and training and ended up doing Sales training, product training, skills training, um, building out things like, like TAS, sales methodology for uh, sales companies, and then found myself working as a curriculum developer for uh, Salesforce and f- learned quite a bit about Salesforce and the tool and the systems. And when I moved to a larger company uh, as a sales trainer and as a manager of sales training, it was a good opportunity. Uh, and sales ops um, to start out that department um, that quickly found there were a lot more to do and, than just sales training in terms of enablement. So learn a lot of time with tools, enablement, analytics, compensation, learned all about these different things and the enablement possibilities um, got bigger than just focused on the training aspect of it. Got it. So you combined a background in learning and also a more technical skill set in Salesforce development. And that kind of got you into the role. And then since then, you've broadened out your skills. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And I think it um, uses both lots of different sides of the brain. I get to do a lot of training. I work with people. And then I get to do a lot of systems and analytics as well. So it's fun. Got it. And you, do you enjoy those different parts equally or do you prefer one? Um, depends on the day. But I enjoy them equally at different times, for sure. I think that um, I've grown to learn and love analytics and systems and process and making uh, sales reps' lives easier and more efficient. Um, uh, and that part of it as well, the operations and process piece. Got it. Um, and can we focus on Nitro at the moment? What's the the size of the sales organization that you're currently supporting? Well, there's probably about 50 globally, uh, including our BDR teams and support teams. And then how many of in the operation side? Is it just yourself or do you have multiple people? 
Uh, right now we have six. I used to have the uh, DLSS team reporting to me, but um, we're, we have six, but a lot of it's one enablement person, uh, someone's focused on compensation, forecasting, uh, someone's working on CPQ and processes and integrations, and then a Salesforce administrator. And then I have a global person who sits in Europe that uh, supports the global time zone. Got it. And then do you report into the VP of sales? Uh, no, I report into the CEO currently. Got and it. oftentimes I've reported into the CRO. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, and what is the current sales tech stack you're using at Nitro? Salesforce, clearly. Um, also, I have the marketing operations team under me since it's revenue operations. And so she manages all the marketo uh, and the front end of that piece. And then we use Sales Loft for email uh, emailing for the reps, uh, for personalized emails, touches, cadences, if you're familiar with that tool. Uh, we use Discover Org. Uh, we also have Data Hug and Inside Squared for reporting and analytics and, and other data cleaning tools, smaller tools like demand tools, uh, help us keep it clean. And it's uh, generally about it. Those are the key tools. Got it. Um, and do you currently have any active, like, projects focus on data quality in Salesforce? Are you, do you actively do things or do you kind of react to challenges you have with data? No, when I came in about a year ago, I think there's a lot of uh, things that needed to get done and you have to really prioritize cleaning and different organizations have different cleaning problems. I think I was lucky enough in this situation, I didn't have a huge duplicate problem, for example. Um, there are some, uh, we do have a lot of leads um, and there's a lot of fields uh, so there's, there is some work going on right now to actively set up some prevention. Primarily, the, the number one cleanup item we're doing right now is flipping to address pick lists and the Salesforce new kind of uh, address module to keep the, that clean because the addresses on accounts and number of employees are really the backbone for keeping your systems clean, right? If you don't have good addresses and accounts, uh, good emails, good domains, uh, it's really hard to keep things clean. So we're flipping over to that new kind of module. Um, and then we also do a lot of prevention methods, a lot of health check dashboards, missing these fields, uh, making things required. Um, we do some validation rules and things. So we're constantly trying to keep it clean, but the most active one right now is just getting our addresses all cleaned up because then we can match to DNB or match to discover org and get some great data around our accounts. Got it. And it's, your team that are responsible for data quality in both Marketo and Salesforce. Yes, absolutely. Got it. Um, shifting on to working with actual, the 50 sales reps you have, do you have any, from your background in like training and people, any tips for influencing people or, or working with people to do new stuff that maybe they wouldn't actually want to do? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you always have to show the value, right? If you, if you kind of walk in, you have to show the value and you have to gain um, respect and credibility with the sales team in whatever sales ops role you're in. Um, and I think that comes with you know somewhat of time and you do need to be reactionary and help people solve things. But um, oftentimes you'll be in a situation where you, the business needs sales reps to enter data, right? Um, that's just the constant. And so if you can show the value um, of doing so um, 
adding this field or adding that data point downstream or show how to reduce clicks. You know, there's a lot of things I've done in the past where I was like, if you enter the data in at the beginning in the right address, well, you're not going to have to enter it two more times when you get to CPQ or you get the opportunities. So it's a lot about automating it and showing the value to the reps. And I do believe uh, that you can build systems in Salesforce that really will help enable reps. And I think a lot of times you get trapped in this. Well, management wants people to do this in that field. Um, there's a balance there to make it happy for the rep to be able to do stuff. Um, and be able to automate and reduce the number of clicks and reduce the number of fields. Got it. So you might have uh, requirements from stakeholders that you're going to buffer and maybe tweak to pass on maybe not the full extent of the reps, either by saying no to stakeholders or by automating stuff in sales. Yeah, no, exactly. And a lot of times uh, I'll get a request from manager or marketing. We need reps to enter this data. And I'll say, well, no, let's look at little alternatives. Can we append the data? Can we have sales ops do it? can we have them enter one field and then from that one field derive a couple more fields or anything you can do to automate and reduce the steps for reps. Cause look, it's always going to grow. Right. So you, um, you kind of want to keep that in the back of your mind at all times. And once reps kind of understand that you're on their side doing that, then you get a lot of credibility. As well. Yeah. That's what, that's it. Right. If they see you as like the, the on their team, like representing mm -hmm. them in front of the rest of the business. Um, yeah. And in the same vein, is there anything else you guys are doing to make the reps more productive apart from getting rid of all the, trying to get rid of unnecessary data entry? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that um, we're all constantly trying to build reports that'll help them out, things that'll help them um, self-calculate compensation, for example. We don't want to necessarily have them going to look at their comps in Excel and doing some crazy stuff. Let's try to figure out how to take that off their plate and get them comfortable with it. Let's you know, look at tools. There's other tools for append tools on leads that, so they don't necessarily have to go find out if that phone number is valid or not valid. Let's try to append the right phone number. Um, so look at one of those cool tools today. Um, you know, and then we're looking at helping with territory planning, helping to prioritize accounts, um, contacts, so that they're taking away some of the those that kind of burden uh, any of those little things helps right got it and is there any way you can measure the increased productivity by all this stuff can you like somehow calculate the amount of time they're spending selling versus doing admin uh i mean i haven't that's a it's a good question i haven't actually tried to sit down and do that i mean i think that there's kind of click reduction intuitively you can um, look at it and go well they went from five clicks to two clicks um, but i haven't really uh, operationalized it to that degree. I mean, I think there's certainly times where I'll pull reports or territory report and I'll spend two hours, but on a new hire who's doing territories to have them prioritize their accounts, um, you know, that takes a few days, you know, and then you have to teach them how to do it. But if you can hand deliver it, you take away a lot of that, that extra time. Um, but it's a good question. I don't have a good solid way to quantitate, uh, make that quantitative. Yeah, no one's really, I don't think anyone's come back and given a good way to measure that. This is maybe episode number 47, I think, and we haven't had that yet. So if anybody does have a good method, reach out. Um, onboarding salespeople, do you have any tips to reduce ramp time? Um, I'm, you know, I think having a good setup and a good role base, I'll call it role base, depending on, you know, if you're a BDR, if you're an AE, um, or 
good curriculum, meeting the right people, getting the tools. Um, that's, that all goes kind of hand in hall, hand with onboarding. I think the thing that I'm doing now that I, I found interesting is working backwards from kind of their, their ramp and when quota starts and the activities and then asking ourselves, okay, in, in week one, you need to learn these three tools. And then you need to show me that you know these tools by sending out 20 emails or downloading 20 contacts. And then every week, you know, you're going to do so many activities, so many emails. Eventually, you're going to have to create an opportunity to kind of week by week map it out for them so the rep can kind of track their progress. And hopefully by the end of the six weeks or whatever it is you decide is that ramp time, they've done those things and then their pipeline starts building. So they know, so the reps, it's not just a fluffy, hey, meet this person and sales ops to talk about Salesforce. That's really quantitative. We're, here are the steps you're going to do that we're going to help you with to actually get you to get your selling. Because in the end of the day, I think sales reps really want to, um, they want to be successful, right? And they want to sell. Uh, so anything you can do to help them do that and you got to have meetings, you got to send out emails. That's just the way it is. Cool. So not bringing people in and doing like two weeks of training. You're like bringing people in and have like a few hours. And then as time goes, give training and like add yeah. that sheet to do it in their role. I think as they do it as a role, like CPQ is a great example. You don't need to do a quote on day one or create an opportunity on day one. It may take, take you two, three weeks. So show them how to create activities, show them how to get emails, get them really comfortable with that, and then come back in for a few hours session and show them how to create an opportunity. And then once they got an opportunity, show them how to build a quote, right? They're not going to, you'd be lucky to find somebody who creates an opportunity within the first couple of weeks, you know, maybe a renewals rep or something, but um you know, it is, I am taking a little bit more of approach yet. Can we afford, is a two week ideal that fly somebody in and do um, kind of a two week um, onboarding session? That'd be great. I don't know that we can all afford that anymore. It's one person, right? Um, It's great for them to meet people, but that's a lot, right? Yeah. And sometimes they forget. I also find there's another tip on that is, but you give them a big week or two week long training and then, a month later, they were so overwhelmed. They're like, I forget how to do any of that stuff, right? Because they're not using it. So it's better to do it. I, I like to do it more real time. Got it. Um, can we talk about the forecasting process? What's your the sales team's role in that and how are you currently forecasting for this or next quarter? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that you know we set up all the systems to do that. We're using a system called Data Hug right now. Um, it's very similar to the old school Salesforce. There's multiple different ways of forecasting, right? Um, and the reps give an, give an override number and, a, and, you know, most likely a best case commit type number. And then the managers do an override on top of that. So that's not that different. I think what's, what's important in all that is um, we also have some trending, which we show the managers and have that front and center so that they can see that trending by rep, by region, and they can put a predictor on that given the trends year over year, quarter over quarter. Um, and then that just rolls up to the, to the management team. So our team's heavily involved in that and working with managers to, to, to get there. Got it. So you guys are ensuring the data is working and you present that to the management teams and then that rolls up to the sales leadership and the CEO. Yeah. I mean, the, basically, yeah, correct. And then the, the, um, you know, the sales managers have an opportunity to use the data we've used to give their own override judgment on that. Got it. Yeah, because they know more about the deals, they know the reps. Cool. Okay. Exactly. So, 
if they're one rep who they know is like super optimistic, they'll like reduce their that reps forecast. Yeah, or if they know somebody has a tendency to bring in a bunch of new deals because they can convert leads fast towards the end of a quarter, they may account for that. I mean, there's different variables that I think, you know, a lot of these systems are great at kind of showing prediction and what's going on and doing data entry, but there still is a human element to an art to some of the forecasting, I believe. Got it. And then metrics. From your uh, over 10 years experience in sales ops, what has been a sales and metric that you have found insightful? Well, there's a lot of metrics out there, right? Um, I mean, I, I do think that it's important to benchmark meetings. I mean, a lot of people think it's email sent or phone calls, but I think being able to look at and getting a consistent cadence for reps to be showing past meetings that they have and then also future meetings to show where there are, because look, face it, if you you can send out all emails in the world, but you don't get a face-to-face -face interview. Uh, you, know, you can do some deals uh, via email, but likely you need to talk to talk to a customer, right? It's a good predictor to see if you can how many you know you can convert those to opportunities, right? It seems so simple, but getting a whole sales team to get consistent and log their activities and log their meetings, uh, you know, can be challenging. You want to be able to automate that so that it's not a whole bunch of a manual process. Um, you know, there's all kinds of other things too, like sales velocity, time and stage, conversion rates. Um, but you know, it depends on the types of sales. If it's an inbound team, it's going to be about conversion and lead conversion. If it's an outbound team, it's going to be more about meeting creation and contacts and customer engagement um, with us. And I know you guys do a little bit of that too, but you know, is our customers responding to our emails and engaging in our conversation. Cause if it's just one sided, you know, it's not going to, we need to get the customer engaged and talking to us back. I'm sure, you know, got it. Yeah. Um, okay. And the final question is who in the world of self have taught you the most? Yeah, no, I, when I first started over, you know, over 10 years ago and I was starting the training and the VP of sales ops, uh, I was reporting in the VP of sales ops at the time. And, um, you know, I think he came back from a sales background and MBA background. I came from for a learning background. So we really kind of gelled really well on who did what. And I did the systems part and kind of did that sort of management part working with the, the sales. He, you know, he really showed me about everything I know on that. And I got to do a lot of different things in a growing company. So that was very exciting. Got it. And what was his name? His name is Alex Slay. Shout out to Alex. Um, we do have a question here from Zach. How do you approach the process of uh, filtering leads from marketing to sales? Um, you know, it's always a good question. A lot of people do lead scoring. Um, that can get complicated. I mean, a lot of times I do my best to get visible and send them direct to the rep if I can. I mean, there's there's been a big movement, I think, in the last... Well, I don't know, five, 10 years about, okay, let's do smaller amounts of lead forms and less fields on the lead form. Well, the downside, you know, and you got to pin that on a lead. The downside of that is accuracy, getting it to the reps. If you can get the leads directly to the rep, uh, which is one of the things I'm working on now, uh, it's a lot nicer than go have them go to a queue um, and getting that list. We're, you know, we're in a situation where we want reps to respond to every lead and, you know, I'm starting to have them convert leads quickly to contacts rather than let them sit too long. Um, so it's those kind of things you really got to monitor. It's, it's um, you got to keep on it, get a good dashboard, um, get the leads directly to the rep. 
Got it. So right now, all leads coming in through Marketo are being filtered to a rep. Uh, more or less. I mean, we've got some that um, we put on a, on hold for, per se and go through a nurture program and then bubble up to reps. But got it. Um, and then one final. Thanks. Really active today. How? This is quite a broad one. Um, how do you measure success in sales operations? Oh, it's always a great question, right? I mean, I you know, especially when you're doing sales enablement, I you know, I think you know, it is important to have kudos from the sales team um, and have that respect. And you know, when people go ask the sales team how you're doing, it's good, it's great for them to say, "Great, we like those guys uh, and girls." But then, um, you know, I think also if you look back. Um, you know, I like to look at, you know, for meetings as a great example or activities, if we set up systems and then create more meetings and create more activities, I certainly, and implement those and gain adoption, I will certainly look at that and say, well, look, opportunity creation is increased because of that. Um, I think efficiency, you know, it's a hard one, as you mentioned earlier, if you can figure out that one on showing on how much time we're saving uh, measurement, uh, it's a little bit more anecdotal. That's important as well. Um, Got it. Okay. Well, here the other things that I picked out that I particularly enjoyed. Um, a number of times you mentioned about uh, the relationship with sales reps, and I think you, you really have a great like handle on that. And the things I liked, probably the thing you said right at the end there was that you, you really want the sales team to be like, yes, we like those guys when asked about sales ops. And so getting the respect of them is like a good, a really good measure of, of success. Um, you also said earlier about you want to show them that you're on their team and you need to show them the value when you're trying to get them to adopt processes. So I thought that was really important. Um, Self-calculated comp is something I haven't heard before. Um, and I think that's really, really interesting because it kind of takes the, the doubt or the questions out of the, the rep's mind during the month, right? They can quickly go and calculate where they are and it's, it's transparent for everybody. And I think that's super powerful. Um, and then the final point was about the onboarding and not lumping training at the start where reps will just forget and actually bringing it out through the journey. So those are my insights. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your time, Mark. No problem. Thank you. It's fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales of Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.